Hello, it's the November DCM podcast. My name is Tom, and this month I'm joined by DCM Studios creative production lead, Bridie Scriven. Hi, Bridie. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, we're just excited to know how we are. So excited. Yeah. So we're here to talk about the recent excellent work that DCM Studios have been producing. That's why you're on the podcast, Bridie. And most notably, the BAFTA Follow Your Spark ad. But before we do that, we need to update people on what's been going on in cinemas recently. Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, a major contender at next year's awards ceremony, so Oscars and BAFTAs. It's been in cinemas for four weeks, and in that time has delivered 670,000 DCM admissions, which I think is pretty darn good for a three-hour, 25-minute adult drama. A slightly different film, and less than half the length of Killers of the Flower Moon, Five Nights at Freddy's, has been in cinemas for three weekends. Now, Bridie, were you aware until recently what Five Nights at Freddy's was? No. So this is a very popular video game amongst young people. The film's been made by Blumhouse and it's become the biggest horror title of 2023. And that's a significant feat because horror films have been popping off over the last few years. In terms of the audience, it's very heavily 16 to 24, even more so than a usual horror title. And the latest film on it, Adata, suggests that almost half the audience is 16 to 24, which means across the industry, Five Nights at Freddy's has delivered over seven 16 to 24 TVRs in just over three weeks. That's I think that's really impressive. And I am endeavouring to learn more about Five Nights at Freddy's ahead of the the sequels that are undoubtedly coming. So coming up over the next couple of months, we have Paul King's Wonka on the 8th of December. If you don't know who Paul King is, it's Paul King who directed Paddington 1 and 2. Do you like Paddington 1 and 2, Bridie? I love Paddington 1 and 2. 2 I is it's one of my all-time favourite hangover films. It's just a great, wonderful movie. It's wonderful. Yep. You are wrapped at this moment in a very comfortable-looking shawl. I am. Stroke blanket. It's cold in here. Because it's chilly in here. And I imagine that's what watching Paddington is like for you. Yeah. It's the, yeah, the film version of this blanket that I'm wearing. Yes. After Wonka, we've got Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom on the 20th of December, one of the best films for 1634 men between now and the end of the year. And as we move into 2024, awards season is looking pretty sensational at the moment. And first up on the 1st of January, recent Best Actor winner Anthony Hopkins plays real-life hero Nicholas Winton in One Life. Nicholas Winton is a man who famously rescued a number of children from nazi germany in the 40s and then his story was told on that's life uh, the show with esther ranson i think in the late 80s early 90s the much loved poor things winner of the golden lion at the venice film festival and starring emma stone and mark ruffalo is out on the 12th of january everyone seems to love this film don't they baridi yeah are you excited for this one i am excited it looks completely weird yes i'm into it yeah me too Then we've got the big screen adaptation of the multiple Tony Award winning musical The Colour Purple on the 26th of January featuring a whole host of singing and acting talent like Taraji P. Henson, uh, Fantasia, Halle Bailey who was most recently seen in The Little Mermaid, Her. Also out on the same day is All of Us Strangers which is one of the best reviewed British films in years. I can't wait for that. Yeah, Andrew Scott on Paul Mescal. Two of the best British actors. Yeah, who doesn't? He's amazing. Yeah, and it wouldn't be great to see Andrew Scott get an Oscar nomination. Yeah, and it's just so overdue, him having a lead role. He's just, I think he's so underrated. Yeah, he's a brilliant actor. Just very, just, I feel like he's, he feels things very deeply. Yeah. And I get that just from seeing him interviewed. I feel like he feels things very deeply. And that obviously results in him being a very good actor. We've also got the musical version of Mean Girls. On the 17th of January, once again written by Tina Fey, who reprises her role as Mrs. Norbury. Norbury. So if you are looking to reach 1634 Women in Q1, this is probably the film for you. And I love Mean Girls. 
I actually love Mean Girls. I have seen it so many times. And this should be one of the big films of Q1. Anything out of there that you're particularly looking forward to, Bridie? I'm looking forward to a lot of those. I'm looking forward to All of Us Strangers, I think, the most. So let's move on to my chat with Bridie. Bridie, tell us a bit about DCM Studios and what their role is within DCM. Um, DCM Studios is DCM's kind of creative arm. We're kind of like a little mini creative agency that sit within the wider media cinema media owner. But we focus on bespoke content, partnerships and experiences. We'll make you anything um, from a piece of bespoke content to a uh, pop-up cinema event to a giant inflatable mochi ball installation. It's very fun. That sounds like something I'd like in my flat. In your flat. You can have it. I think we have it somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously you are a producer. Tell us a bit about what you were doing prior to DCM and how you got into this. Um, My background's in creative agencies, so I've worked on the creative side of the fence for about 12 years. I also did a little brief stint as a photographer's agent, which I did after a particularly awful um, production I did in lockdown where I swore off production for ages and then I missed it. So I came back and yeah, ended up ended up on the other side, which is very different, but in, in a very good way. I think I bring a slightly different attitude and kind of I have some different ways of doing things that maybe weren't done in my team before which is yeah I think it helps with the creative and the delivery of of projects. So tell us a bit about the work you've been most proud of in your career to date. I've been really lucky I've worked at some really good places I've worked on some really amazing clients my favorite kinds of projects have always been charity ones that's always the project that's the most difficult to get going you have the least amount of money but you somehow have more creativity I've worked on two of Sport England's This Girl Can campaigns which I'm incredibly proud to have been a part of I've worked with Big Issue and Monzo to set up a scheme for homeless vendors to get bank accounts which was something that they couldn't do before because they didn't have fixed addresses Um, and that's probably the the thing I'm the most proud of before I worked at DCM so now you are at DCM. Can you tell us a little bit about how your time at DCM, and most particularly 2023, has been? It's been amazing. Um, it was very different to kind of working on the creative agency side, but in a good way. I, everyone that works here is, is just so nice. My team is great. But uh, yeah, 2023 has been busy, really busy. Um, we've done a lot of work. Uh, we've done just relentless amounts of work, but it's all been really exciting. We've grown our team, our studios team, um, which is always fun to get kind of new people. And I think we've got a really good bunch of people. And I think it shows in the in the work that we're making. We're making more work, better work. And yeah, that makes people happy. Well, can you give us an example of some of the work that you've done this? You gave us a little tease in the intro, some like giant munchy balls. And yep. can you give us an example of some of the work that's been produced by DCM Studios this year? Yeah, so we've done... Um, with Picture House's outdoor cinema, we did a project with Little Moons where we did a bunch of inflatable arches and mochi ball lights and things like that, which is, it wasn't a massive project, but it was really, really fun. Yeah, it's been great getting to do work with brands such as Audi and Google. We've done a little roadshow with Lego, um, going around again with Picture House, all of their kind of sites and like setting up little kids clubs where children can come and play Lego and get like free bits and pieces, which is been probably one of the sweetest projects I've done since I've been here and then obviously we've made the second BAFTA campaign which 
is my favourite project this year and it was my favourite project last year. Well, we'll come on to that very, very shortly. So it feels like, as, as someone who sits very near your team, it feels like things have really ramped up this year. There's been getting a lot of traction. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think maybe we're getting a bit more co- we're a bit more cohesive as a team this year i think we're the creative is a higher standard so we're putting better ideas to clients and the clients are maybe getting a bit braver in terms of what they're buying i think brands want to be involved in these like big cultural moments such as barbie um and we're seeing them actually kind of understand the importance of putting something bespoke on the screen rather than just kind of what's on telly, on their socials, on their TikTok. Like, let's do something that's specially, like, it's it's made for the cinema screen or it's made for the foyers. Um, And, yeah, clients seem to be getting it and loving it and then coming back and doing more, which is great. And are they reaching out to us now as well as us actively having to go and get them? I think so, yeah. We've had quite a lot of repeat business, I guess. Um, We've had kind of clients come back to us for extra projects we've had a couple with samsung this year we've had audi have come back for a couple of projects so yeah i think that it's it's good and i think that the more we're putting out the i think the quality has definitely got higher and if you're making better work people want to be part of that i think so you've already mentioned one of your favorite projects this year was the bafta ad and that was the second ad in consecutive years that we've made for bafta can you tell us a little bit about how we have come to work with BAFTA and what their thoughts were behind the first ad and then we'll move on to this this latest ad. Yeah, so we have a relationship with BAFTA. Um, they approached, approached us to basically make them their very first brand campaign, which was insanely exciting. They're such a loved brand. It's one of those true joys to work on because people genuinely want to be involved with it. So the the brief last year was basically to reach out to a much younger, much more diverse background of people and kind of get them to understand that BAFTA was a charity, that there was things that they could offer that would be helpful and help them enter the screen industries. So TV, films and games. And the kind of creative way we executed it was as a thank you speech, um, a thank you BAFTA speech that was compiled up of, I think, about 40 different stock clips so we had we had stock clips then we had clips from films and tv um and some from games we had Ainsley Harriet in there we had Daniel Craig it was a genuine like joy and nightmare to um license but it's yeah it's it's amazing it's a great ad we got Big Zoo to do the voice and it was just completely different to anything that BAFTA had had done before because people might have seen this ad as well mightn't they where's it been I hope shown so it was um, last summer. It came out last summer. Um, so it was 2022. 2022, yeah. Went out with Nope specifically. But yeah, it was it was, it was was quite big. I think it, it went down really well. Um, we're really proud of it. Well, it clearly went down really well because BAFTA came back to us they this year. What back. happened? <laughs> they came back. They wanted to continue the work that they'd started. Um, the last ad we, we did some research on and it, it performed amazingly. I think... Before the project, something like one percent of people knew BAFTA was even a charity. They just they just kind of think of it as the awards show. The ad kind of made it so that people understood slightly more about what BAFTA meant and what BAFTA did. So, so yeah, they wanted uh, they wanted a second film. They wanted it to be 
completely different, but still to retain the very high level of craft that we put into the first one. Um, and they wanted to keep pushing things forward. So the message was really simple. It was the whole idea that talent is everywhere, but opportunity isn't. And it's kind of BAFTA's intent to support and inspire these unheard and unrepresented voices um, and show them a pathway into the industries through their mentoring schemes, bursaries and workshops, which we did in this film. We had three true stories that we kind of um, showed, three characters. Um, so they're all real stories, real bursaries, real people. The title of the ad is Follow Your Spark. Tell me a bit about where that concept came from. So the idea came from our director, Janique Amiyaya. He pitched the idea of following a creative spark, um, where the spark is like a physical thing that whizzes through the ad and it follows the three characters and it weaves through the stories, showing the exact moment that these characters unlock their true passions. Um, and then like that's when they get steered towards BAFTA, whether that's like a mentor or a bursary to help them get onto a hair and makeup course. Um, so yeah, it came it came from him, and it was kind of perfect, and that's that. It it didn't really change from the first time we saw his treatment, to be honest. And so this was a blind pitch. What stood out for what stood out for Janique's concept? I think it was always going to be him. When we figured out we wanted to work with common people, I went on their website, I found Janique's page, and it was just exactly what I kind of had in my mind. And then when we read through all the three pitches, um, I just knew. I knew which one was his and I knew that the clients would buy it. So you um, just knew just from reading it? His name knew. wasn't on it, you just knew it was yeah, his? Yeah, no, nothing was named, so we, we couldn't kind of connect them to a, a person. But it was just it was just so perfect. They were all good, but his was just, it was always, it was always going to be that one. As soon as the client came back and said, yeah, it's treatment number one, I was like, yes. That's really exciting. Yeah, like, it was great. You said treatment number one, like um, Graham from Blind Date there as yeah. well. <laughs> Contestant number one, it was a blind yeah. pitch. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm Scylla. Yeah. If anyone's seen the ad, there's a very recognisable face in it. There Ma is. Michael Ward, who people yep. might know from Top Boy and Empire of Light. Yeah. That's amazing. How did Michael Ward get involved? He, uh, we didn't think that he would say yes. We had a, we had a kind of like a dream list of, of we wanted talent in there. Um, we thought we would probably end up with, with talent just providing us with the VO. Um, That's voiceover. Voiceover. So, yeah, we, we weren't expecting such incredible kind of investment from him. Um, yeah, and he agreed, he agreed to be on it. Um, and he's he's a wonderful kind of part of it. He's a previous BAFTA Rising Star winner. And, yeah, people, people love him. Like, when the ad went live, people love Michael Ward. There are so many, so many fans, so many flame emojis yeah. underneath that video when it was posted. Um, yeah, so that was a lovely treat. So tell us a bit about the shoot. Where was it? What what was it like on set? The shoot was we did one day in um, a cinema where we kind of built out the cinema into various different sets. Obviously, we had we didn't have a very big budget, so we had to be kind of quite inventive. Uh, and then the second day was in this insane house, but it was one of the best sets I've ever been on. Janique built an amazing crew and team. Um, and everyone on set was just buzzing to be there, which I think is probably testament to one working with Janique. But people want to work on something for BAFTA. It's it's BAFTA. It's just so it's so beloved. But yeah, so I think we also on set, we had some BAFTA alumni in the crew. So we had uh, four assistants that 
were all part of the BAFTA bursary scheme. So we had like a little um, junior camera assistant, production assistant, lighting assistant, and even just having those like young, hungry people on set was was just amazing. And it's kind of proof of the concept. You're putting people into the crew that the ad is aimed at. It's all quite meta, but it's really lovely. And there there was a recent screening for the ad, wasn't there, in a cinema? In a, there was. On IMAX, was it not? Yes. No, Super Screen. Super Screen. Super Screen, super screen. yeah. And Michael Ward turned up. Michael Ward turned up. So we always do these these screenings where we get the client to come and check the the final film on the big screen. And sometimes we always invite other people to come, but no one ever does. It's always just the clients and then me. So it was Leicester Square on a very rainy Wednesday morning. And just I was outside the cinema and I saw the director and then we went inside for a bit. And then I suddenly just saw this like mass of people and everyone came. So we had like the composers, the editors, the those of the cast came. We had this little girl in the film and she came with her family and it was like it was her premiere and she had flowers that her dad had bought her and and then I was standing there and then Michael Ward showed up and it was just it was it was really bizarre. With his, and his mum as well, was it? No, the director's mum. Oh. The director's mum came. She's in the film as well. But it was just one of my favourite moments, actually, since I've worked here, was sitting in the cinema with everyone that's worked on it and like poured so much of themselves into it. And then just like you're sat there watching it with with all these amazing people and everyone is just so pleased with it. Yeah, it was great. It was really special. That's not how they normally go. That sounds special. Yeah. And, and what's been, been the reception like for the campaign? Because it's, it's out now, isn't it? People can see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's done. It's it's done really well. The clients are over the moon. Um, it went live just before the BAFTA Guru live events that they had. So we had our director go down and do some. He did like a little BAFTA TED talk. But yeah, people love it. People love Michael Ward. I think he's got a lot of um, popularity. But yeah, we're really happy. We're really proud of it. And where can people see it? They can see it at the cinema um, at the moment, and it will be running until probably the middle of January. And it's also obviously online on YouTube. People just search "Follow Your Spark." Follow or your BAFTA. spark, BAFTA, and you'll you'll find it. And so, what is it about this campaign that's so special to you? This project is really special. I think I think both the BAFTA projects are quite special, just because it is BAFTA. Like they are an amazing institution that everybody knows. They're also like the actual clients themselves are just lovely to work with. Like very very easy. But I think this one is particularly special because it felt like the coming together of just all these insanely talented people that we probably shouldn't have been able to afford working and going above and beyond and just yeah putting every last bit of themselves into the ad and it I think it shows I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of work that I've I've been a part of I think it definitely does show you can definitely you. it feels like an ad that you know really high production value great yeah. story as you said it feels like people have poured, poured their heart into it yeah and like the the visual effects are on it i i don't know how we yeah the visual effects got are great. half of those like it was i know that everyone always says projects are a labor of love but i think that this one was i don't know what is one step up from that but that's what it is i've seen it probably a hundred times and i i'm not bored of it at all oh that's exciting Brody. yeah and nice. so so 2023 sounds like it's been an amazing year. What would you like DCM Studios to be working on throughout 2024? Uh, I want us to be working on more more beautiful bespoke content. I think um, it's 
really important to be pushing that and to be getting that like level of craft into the work that we're we're making I think it's having projects like BAFTA to be able to take out to clients and inspire them and show them what's possible is is really really exciting and we want to be making just better and braver work if people are listening to this they can just get in touch with the team get in touch with the team yeah there's a DCM Studios section on the DCM website where you can find our contact details and our Vimeo links and things like that Amazing. So let's just talk more broadly about film. Okay. And cinema. Yep. Uh, what are you most looking forward to seeing? I'm really looking forward to seeing Saltburn. Oh yes, that's out this weekend. So we're recording this on Thursday the 16th of November. Saltburn comes out on the 17th of November. That's Emerald Fennell's new film starring Barry Keegan, Rosamund Pike, Jacob Elordi. Why are you looking forward to that? I love Barry Keegan. I loved A Promising Young Woman. That was my favourite film of whatever year that came that out. That was 20... Well, it ca- I think... It was 2021, wasn't it? Because I remember it coming out while we were all in lockdown. Yeah. But it might, I think it's 2020, 2021. But Barry Keegan. Love Barry what Keegan. What incredible screen presence. Just like yeah. different to almost anyone else. Yeah, he's he's great. And I'm excited to see him in a lead role. I'm excited for Napoleon. I think it, it'll be good to see an epic. Yeah, well, um, Ridley Scott does them better than anyone yeah. as well, doesn't he? And then, like, much further down the line, and only because I watched the trailer today, but Inside Out 2. Yes, well, this, is, so a good thing. this is a good thing to talk about because we watched the trailer for Inside Out 2 earlier, didn't we? It just, I just love the first one so much. It's coming out June 2024. The first one, I posited earlier, top three Pixar film. Yeah. If not top one or two. Yeah, it's up there. Just the most beautiful an- animation, probably the most beautiful animated film ever, I think, in terms conceptually and just what it says about people. And, yeah. Uh, and this new one, there's a teaser trailer, if you haven't seen it, that basically is set in the control room of Riley's head and some removal people just come and replace the console with a bigger console and she's now got more emotions to deal with. And you're just like, okay, I get this straight away and I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, and I'm also excited for The Boy and the Heron. Oh, the, the Hayao Miyazaki film. Yeah. Which is out on Boxing Day. Yeah, I'm very excited do you, about uh, that. Do you like Studio Ghibli films? I love Ghibli. What's yeah. your favourite one? My favourite one is Ponyo. Okay. I have orange hair, if anyone doesn't know what I look like. Yeah. Uh, so well, I look which, like well, Ponyo. Would they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, um, yeah, I love that. I, 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 love, I love a lot of them, but that one's my favourite. Some exciting film selections there, Bridie. Well, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for listening, everyone. My name's Tom, as I said at the start. I'll be back next month, which will probably be something kind of review of 2023 and, you know, look ahead to 2024. You know, I'm excited to do it already. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.